Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome, 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 my lizards and jellyfish. Welcome to another episode of the Bobo and Flex show. Oh, You're now officially all lizards and jellyfish mm. because is anyone still a human um, under quarantine season? I don't know. <laughs> welcome to your final form. <laughs> yeah, welcome to your final form. We've all ascended. Everyone who is dis- who is anti-capitalist, you've literally graduated from being a human to being <laughs> a lizard slash jellyfish. So welcome to the clan. Oh, yes, I am your resident optimistic nihilist, reminding you every day of your mortality and reminding you that the apocalypse has arrived. So I hope you're getting your corona-free nuts. Ah! Flex, how are you doing today? I'm well. I'm just here to remind you that um, not trying is failing. And if there was ever a time to be your best person, during a pandemic is it. Stress yourself out. This is it. stress yourself out (laughs) i know i feel like a lot of people are wasting their last few years on panicking and it's like when you could be getting your ass clapped you're panicking (laughs) well it's also like people have been talking about how you know during this time on lockdown you know if you Mm. don't feel like you want to be productive that's okay because you know it's a very trying time but in my head, I'm thinking, well, if this is it and this is our existence for, you know, the next foreseeable future, then isn't it time to figure out how you're going to survive and make the most of it? Not even survive, but thrive. Like, yeah. we can't be in a state of panic and um, fear for and fear. forever. And so how yeah. do we get to that next? How do we ascend? Yeah, something I was talking about on my story today. I feel like I've been spiraling today. I think... <laughs> quarantining is not for me (laughs) but something it's not my aesthetic surprisingly because I'm such an introvert but something I was talking about on my story today is that I've so the way that everyone else feels right now is how I felt about the world for like the past seven years Low. so like yeah so like I genuinely feel that the world has been in such a dire state for so long that I'm confused as to why people are only panicking now. Wow. And given that the world has already been in such a dire state and we've been surviving, why not just continue getting your titty sucked? Like, why must your titty sucking now be postponed? Because of a pandemic, you know what I mean? Like, and my titty sucking, I mean, like, all forms of big of pleasure. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, why stop pleasure now when the world has been ending and will continue to end? Because I think what it is, is that like chaos is actually the norm and not the exception. And so I think a lot of us think that this state of chaos is different. I mean, this level is different, but the world will always be in a state of chaos. So why not just every day 
get eaten out from the from the back. <laughs> like <laughs> it's an option. It's so wild. <clears throat> it's yeah. definitely an option. I don't know. I mean, how are you feeling about um the end of the world? Like does it feel apocalyptic to you? Or like how are you feeling generally? How's your mental health, your physical health? <laughs> Are you hoarding? <laughs> Are you stockpiling toilet paper? <laughs> I feel like I'm in a um in a better in a better mental state than usual because mm. I feel like suddenly the pressure is off in in an un- mm. unusual way because we are all um you know descending to our inevitable doom. The yeah. pressure on the individual to be better is secondary to the pressure of the community to do better. <laughs> so I can just maintain what I've been doing, minding my business at home. Yeah. And given space to do that without question. Oh, you're painting again for the fourth day in a row? I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's like, of course. Self-quarantining, babe. <laughs> Literally, I've been doing so much baking. Mm-hmm. It's, I now just need to open a bakery. That's it. it's like, yeah, I do think that one of the upsides of quarantine season if you're not one of the many people who are like stressing about finances Mm. and getting laid off and 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 i think if you just are forced to stay inside you can honestly just stop capitalism like i love that well to a certain extent with the exception of new york because capitalism will never stop here i feel like we can just put capitalism down and just exist sort of the way that we were intended to, you know? Like, imagine what life could be like if we just had time and didn't have to worry about how do we allot that time for the economy. Yeah. I just think I we're so it. programmed for chaos and disaster that if it wasn't this, it was another problem. I'm very interested, mm. though, that, um, like you said before, if it wasn't the Roni, it was climate change that was going to kill us. Yeah. So we were already <laughs> on our way. <laughs> I just didn't want to go. But now we all have to go at the same time. Well, yeah. This is it. Like, <laughs> I honestly, I genuinely feel because for me, I've just been like always hyper aware. But I think from a really young age, I was literally six years old, like wow like am i just a blob of flesh on a spinning rock in the middle of an indifferent universe like what is this so i feel like i've always been hyper aware of finitude and like the end of the world and i think it it honestly feels really good to have everyone else feel the weight of depression and angst that i've been feeling for years (laughs) i feel like (laughs) she said welcome yeah i'm like welcome to the club and i honestly think it's really good for everyone i feel like this level of suffering is really healthy for people who are experiencing it for the first time because it forces you out of solipsism like it forces you to realize that oh shit like i'm not the only person that exists we're all interconnected if poor people are suffering then so am i if no one has access to healthcare, then that affects me too like miss roni has really come through and made us realize things like we're just 2020 is the year of realizing things. <laughs> Thank you to our prophet Kylie for putting yeah, us on. Shout out to so many literally. years before, if not for her. 
we would have been honestly lost. we need to all give thanks to our favorite philosopher <laughs> kylie jenner <laughs> For making us realize this. Is things. that the episode title? Giving thanks to our favorite philosopher. <laughs> that is actually, that's absolutely the title Let of this episode. Let us not forget. Honestly. Do you know what's awesome? I was like. No, go on. Now, I was just going to ask, how has your mental health been? Is it better because of self-isolation or worse or just the same? Um, I think it's better only because, like I said before, I've got more time. I don't have to make excuses or justify why I want to do the things I do. If anything, mm. people think that my um, refusal to sulk and like <laughs> my like spearheading into creativity is an act of radical fucking p- politics. You know, like everyone's yeah, like, "Wow, yeah. <laughs> she just refuses to be sad. She's just getting on with it. She's just painting." When really, I'm like, "Thank goodness!" <laughs> like. Suddenly the clients are quiet and people aren't asking me for shit. And, you know, I'm now forced to take more of a break than I would have allowed myself to earlier. It's great. Mm. I'm into it. I mean, obviously, like I'm like I mentioned in the previous episode about Miss Roni, I'm more concerned about the economic impacts of Miss Roni than the physical impacts, though I will say I'm taking as many precautions as I can not to get sick because it's just not for me. I don't do yeah, well with being sick. Yeah. I'm not sick often. Remember last year, I was. I don't know if I talked about it on the podcast, but I don't yeah, get sick did. often. I don't get the, get the flu or the cold. So when I had tonsillitis, I just assumed that that's what being sick felt like, and just didn't go yeah. to the hospital. I was just here with like my paracetamol, and just being like, "Is this really what you, you all go through when you're sick? This is terrible." Meanwhile. <laughs> a bitch had tonsillitis a whole tonsillitis i me. so i mean and also because i can trust that even pre-roni i was taking the right precautions with hygiene i'm that person looking over that my shoulder being like did you just thing. wash your hands you didn't wash okay interesting. Oh i'm in gosh. my bathroom using disinfectant i've been cleaning my floors Funny. with my bare hands so i was like i wasn't concerned for me but pre-roni Hoes weren't washing their feet, washing their legs, washing their hands. And I, I'm i skeptical that it's happening as often as it needs to during Roni. You know, like... Oh, I feel do like, you think so? I feel like there's like this, you know, uh, I guess hysteria is the right word, or this panic or this sudden urgency too. But when the urgency dissipates, because the media isn't going to be talking about it as, you know, fervorously yeah. for, for forever, then will those standards also slip? Like suddenly you're gonna you drop, you're gonna drop yeah. back to one hand wash a day <laughs> <laughs> if we're lucky. Ah! They will. I will say I've loved. I haven't seen a single dirty fingernail, Ooh. and my skin is flourishing. Like it's just <laughs> honestly. Shout out to Roni for that. You know, if anything, that's been a big yeah, one because that has been a big one. It really illuminated people who thought that hygiene was simply a form. Uh, or tool for comfort and not cleanliness. Can you imagine? Mm-mm. Yeah, but we—it's t- wild. Didn't we sp- I think we spoke about it in the beauty standards episodes that like cleanliness and hygiene and is preoccupation. Absolutely, it's inherently mm. racialized. You know, if I wasn't presumed to be a stinky bitch my whole life, then maybe yeah. I wouldn't care <laughs> as much. <laughs> but I I do wonder about that because I'm also such a germaphobe. Like mm. I remember posting in our Facebook group being like, guys, I'm such a germaphobe that I literally can't make out with my boyfriend. Like, please help me. <laughs> um, so it's really that bad for me. I can't even make out with someone without thinking about, okay, but were you eating 
pig's feet earlier on in the day. Like, <laughs> so I've been such a germaphobe my whole life. And I do wonder, like, to what extent is... Well, I think also I come from a really, really clean family. So I just grew up with that. But I do wonder, like, is that just because we're black? And then I also wonder why everyone else or like why is it that the majority of people aren't like that do you find like in your friend circles that your black friends are cleaner than your white friends and 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 or is it more like it's more a cultural thing than a racial thing i think it might be more cultural than racial because i don't have that many black friends i've got a lot of like Mm. ethnic brown friends um but i would say that it's not necessarily like um how do i word it it's not necessarily like a visually this person is more clean than the other person. Mm. But naturally when conversation veers into hygiene standards, you see like the dissonance between both parties. So um, in my experience, like the ethnics and the brand people, people will be like, oh yeah, like I've, I'm on my second shower today or I must do this or, you know, I, I've been exfoliating my body or so and so and so. And then on the yeah. other side, it's like, oh, I didn't feel dirty today, so I didn't shower. Imagine. Which it's not even like, <laughs> I don't even know what it is to feel like. It's, it's not even getting to I, I do or don't feel dirty. It's my duty. <laughs> yeah, it's also... <laughs> I'm also shook at how anyone couldn't feel dirty. Mm. Like, I I don't... I'm one of those people, like, I don't allow anyone to sit on my bed when they come over. Like, there's no shoes allowed in my house. Mm. Like, you have to leave your coat outside. Like, before you get inside the door, there's, like, a rack for coats and <laughs> shoes. So there is nothing from outside that is allowed in my house. She said, leave your grime and, with you. <laughs> yeah, like, leave all your bacteria outside. <laughs> And I remember a lot of people like used to clown me for that just to be like, bitch, that's so extreme. Mm. Or people would get offended and be like, you think I'm dirty? And it's like, no, bitch, the outside world is dirty. Yeah, I know I the that outside dirt. world is dirty. Don't do this. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's really interesting to now see those very same people stress about like now they have hand sanitizer and now... <laughs> They're wearing gloves outside. It also looks really apocalyptic walking outside and seeing people with gloves and masks and like running around with shopping trolleys. It's so... Mm. What are we living in? What do you think is happening to the simulation right now? Like, is this a reboot? (laughs) It's a reboot. Perhaps it's like a genocide of sort. Like, Mm. population control of sort. Just because, like... I don't know. I love the Roni conspiracies, but I feel like I want them to develop a little bit more before we talk about any of Me them. Me too. Because, yeah. You know, uh, time will time will debunk half of them and then yeah. common sense will debunk the other half. But until then, yeah. it's really interesting. I think right now they're just a bit extreme, so it's hard for me. And I love a good conspiracy. Mm-hmm. I will believe a conspiracy theory just because it's juicy. Like, I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> I don't need facts. Like, give me spice. Give me juice. Someone sent me a conspiracy theory today that was that Tom Hanks... <laughs> Tom Hanks is a pedophile and, like, they're using the Roni to cover up the fact that he's a pedophile and ev- all of these celebrities are all pedophiles, including Madonna and Oprah. And I'm like, this is where you lost me. Yeah. Like, this is where you, you know, mm. like, I would have been there. I would have been there with you. <laughs> 
Yeah, and then it's like Trump is gonna win the 2020 election. This mm. is how he's using the Roni to do it, and 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 I do think Trump will win, but yeah, we'll see. We shall see. Well, for something non Roni related, because mm. I feel like <laughs> do you hate what I've been seeing on the internet? I've been seeing like when influencers, content creators, whatever you want to call them, um, <clears throat> there's been like a like a, a, a I would say maybe it's fifty fifty. 50-50 being, like, it's my duty to, like, cover the Roni and, like, you know, like keep my audience informed because they're a bunch of dumb bitches and if I don't do it, who will? <laughs> and, like, I've read CNN today and this is the update and this is the death toll, whatever. And the yeah. other half is, like, I just want to bring some positivity back onto the internet. I just want – I know you all want a place to escape, and so I want to be your yeah. escape. And it's, like, both of it is just – it's laughable. But alas, yeah, I was gonna say, yeah. When it comes to you know cousin Roni, we can only say so much about her because she's not like she's not evolving as quickly as our conversation is. Mm. So I wanted to talk about this thread that was posted in our Bobo and Flex Facebook group. You can mm. search it, enter it. There are eleven thousand sweet people. Um, and it's good and it's interesting, you know. I, we have the best Facebook group <laughs> on Facebook. Like, I would say so too. Honestly, everyone in that group is so smart, but also equally hilarious. Yeah. And it's also what I find is interesting because I feel, personally, I feel like we discuss enough about any like most of the most of the conversations in the group we have personally spoken about at length on the podcast. So it's interesting mm. that. Um, it gets rehashed in the group, but I've been coming across people who like I'll meet out and about who say that they they're in the group, but they don't listen to the podcast, which I think is really interesting. Oh, interesting. Maybe it's one of those things where they know it's about to be juicy shit. So they, um, yeah, they clock yeah. on. Okay. So this one, um, sorry guys. I was just my mechanic. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So this person posted and said, um, I'm currently in a situation where my problematic, oh, let me, I was going to say problematic. (laughs) One more time. Are you glitching? (laughs) I think so. She's glitching, guys. Uh, I'm currently in a situation where my problematic white boyfriend, which we find out is just a boy who's a friend. So I don't know, it could have just been white friend, but I guess... It's fine. We can gender. Uh, Where my problematic white boyfriend thinks it's okay to call people the N-word if they've (gasps) said it's okay. I saw this one. I've tried to keep explaining to him how troubled I find his argument, but he keeps rallying back to it being okay because his friends have said it's okay. Thoughts. Mm -hmm. Now. Imagine. We have spoken about like these kind of conversations previously where, you know, this, although we're talking about the N word and that's inherently racialized, this conversation is for non-black people. Like I mm. want to see how non-black people really address these, these instances, because if it was as simple as a black person telling you how to tell a white person or non-black person not to say the N word, we would not be having these conversations. It would have mm. been enough, but clearly it's not working. And so when it comes to allyship, performative allyship, doing the right thing, being an upstanding person, it yeah. really is in these situations where the cream rises to the top, you know? Yeah. And the ones who yeah. really are about their business are getting it done. Yeah. And the ones who I find are more concerned with, 
you know, virtue signaling and separating themselves from their problematic friends want pats on the back. But it's no shade. We'll continue. So I'm going to read a few of the comments that that thread got. So, uh, okay. So some of the comments in that thread are, ah, yikes. My personal favorite. Do you really want advice on this? It's not okay. You know, it's not okay. Then why are you asking? Tell him you won't tolerate racism and then leave if it doesn't change. This is where we, we got the clarification that it's not a boyfriend. It's just a work colleague. Um, there are more, uh, this one says, surely he understands that the racism is deeper and bigger than just a handful of friends telling him it's okay. Um, this one, give him a laxative filled cupcake because he deserves to shit himself. (laughs) Um, but for real, tell him his hypothetical token black friends are not the majority who do not like non-black people using the word smack Mm. him real hard. Not okay, but here's an anecdote. One of my friends calls her best friend the N-word, but it's like their pet name. A bit odd, but it's their thing, I guess. Mm, we'll, we'll address that. We'll yep. address that after. Uh, it's not okay, and his friends are trash for letting him think it's okay. Why is everyone that isn't black so desperate to say the N-word? I had a customer at work who's black ask me to call him it. I was like, excuse me, but I can't. I'm sorry. And he got offended that I was making a thing out of it. He was all, you're my N-word. Now say I'm your N-word. And I just had to be like, sorry, bro. You're my G. Um, at this point, <laughs> the best course of action would be to throw the whole man in the bin. I wish there was a vomit react. Don't even know how to respond. Um, honestly, since... He will realistically not stop. I will just start referring to him as Massa since he wants to act like he owns a plantation so bad. I'm crying. So I'm, as I'm we can floor. see here, obviously you we would assume that the person who's asking this question, our presumptions on what their intention was aside, it's quite genuine. You know, like mm. they're in a situation where someone's saying something, they feel like they've it's problematic, but the person's stressed they've gotten permission from that, you know, certain racial group. So is it fine? Now, we do enough of this chit-chat. Like, we do enough chit-chat about race, about what's appropriate and inappropriate, that I feel like by this point... At this point, yeah. We should have a few tools in our toolbox to manage it. And I feel like, in, in especially in a situation like this, there's, like, maybe two or three options. One, ignore it. Two, call it out. Three, call it out. <laughs> And lose mm. a friend in the process. Like what? Like yeah. what? What would you like? Like what is your best case scenario? Because I can imagine if given advice, maybe this person would say, mm, "I feel uncomfortable saying it because we're work friends, and that would be a bit touchy." Or you know, he's already told me he has permission. Anyway, I digress. So I'm looking mm. at this thread, and I was I I saw it go live, and I kept checking back to see if anybody was going to give some um. Some, you know, actionable advice. Aside from that first comment, which I thought was great. The person who said, yeah. do you really want advice on this? Because Why that's the energy that I was I was coming to. But, you know, I thought, let me not be petty. I I wrote in the thread, which is rare. You know, I, I just, I usually yeah. I just, I just stalk. But I, I wrote, some of this advice is looking real comical and not helpful at all. I would weigh in, but I feel like this is a great time <clears throat> for non-black people to lead the conversation. I'm interested to see how you actually navigate this conversation as opposed to what looks like performative allyship online. Ooh. Somebody responded and that said, hurt. you know, but. I don't talk often these days, but what I do, yeah. <laughs> somebody responded and said, I was thinking a similar thing, but I, 
but I find that there is a lot of clashing between white and black users on this group. I've received hateful slander for weighing in on fake tanning in this group. And I think it's very difficult to navigate when it's appropriate for white people to weigh in on black issues. Or as you said here, to lead the conversation. From listening to your podcast, I value your perspectives highly and would love you to explain this a bit more. Then I responded and said, there's always going to be backlash and clashing when discussing contentious topics. I'm very bored of having to lead the conversation on basic topics <laughs> like how to get people to not use the N-word. There's In not, 2020. You know, there's not always going to be your go-to black person on call to lead you through best practice because there isn't a best practice for scenarios like this. It's an awesome time to use initiative and to troubleshoot to what and to troubleshoot to see what works best. If black people knew the best way to stop non-black people from using the N-word, threads like this wouldn't exist. Figure out a solution that works best for your circumstance. Oof. Now, what I find to be really, really interesting is, you know, I've, I've spoken before at length about how I feel like if, let's talk about black people because we're talking about, you know, the N-word. If black mm. people want understanding from other um, groups, other racial groups, um, a lot of it is intrinsic and there are a lot of blind spots that other racial groups have to the black experience. It's not homogenous, yeah, but for, this, for the sake of this conversation, we'll pretend it is. And so if you want understanding, you are going to have to either storytell or teach, at least educate in some capacity because not yeah, everybody knows I, what they I don't know. But this yeah. isn't a niche topic. This isn't, oh, you know, I have a friend and I called her um, um, African-American, but she's really just African and she got offended. What should I do? That seems a little bit, you know, that's a bit more niche. Yeah, that's this more specific. This is the common basic N-word. <laughs> we have... Pro- that's like saying, can I still call women whores? You know? Like, is that... Can I... Is it okay to call women harlots? The same way you wouldn't go to someone who was gay or lesbian and call them the F word because we've somehow figured out that that's inappropriate. Yeah. You know, and perhaps if you're part of that um, group, then you're allowed to use the word. But for the rest of us, we now know it's not, it's not appropriate. Why is that so simple to understand? I think. What is the consequence (laughs) of that so great? You know what? A lot of white people think that being a good ally is just going to every black person to ask them if this thing that they know is racist is okay until one person says it's okay and that one validation is enough for them to do their fuck shit. Mm. That's the two types of allyship that I'm seeing on the internet and I don't see what the point of either is. Like, what is what is the point, fam? It's very boring. It's... <sighs> and, you know, we... we a big reason of why we do this podcast is to bridge the gap of understanding because we know not everything is just common sense and we know different yeah. people are going to have different pers- perspectives on very similar situations. So even if Bobo and I were to give advice on this kind of topic um, or this um, post in the group, we would have two different two different ways of approaching it. But it goes, Facts. but the point of the matter is, I think it's very interesting that um, like, there's like this presumption or this yeah this presumption this like like non-black people want trust that they're doing the right thing by their black counterparts Mm. i'm not racist i know my friend has braids but i would never do that my friend says the n-word but i would never do that and that's just not really helpful conversation and it's in threads like this where i just know for a fact that for all this you know, I've got a black friend here and, you know, I love Obama, that when push comes to shove, you don't know how to step up and do the work. 
and on a common common problem like on a this. common problem and it's no Which shame is like, what is the purpose of you being an ally if you can't execute like if it's all theoretical mm. what is the purpose like how are you any different well, i guess you are different from a trump but what is, <laughs> what is the purpose of your allyship <laughs> And, and I understand that allyship could present itself in a lot of ways. So I'm not saying that everybody needs to be a crusader or a warrior because I know for the longest time, if I saw, you know, people behaving in a quote unquote problematic way around me, I wouldn't say shit. But now I do say mm. shit because it's, it's one of those things where I can, I know better not to internalize all ignorance as malice, but it gets to a point where I don't want to hold all that discomfort myself. So we turn mm. it back. So if I'm standing in a festival and someone's, you know, rapping along to Kendrick. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Saying the N-word, I do a quick turnaround and say, hey, like, enjoy yourself, but just don't say it around me because every time you do, I'm going to turn around and ask you not to do it. Yeah. Simple. Yeah. And that's not your yeah. fight. And I totally understand that. But in the instance of you speaking to someone you clearly have a relationship with, if you can't find the words to level with them, and to what I, from what I'm imagining, you're not also trying very hard, (laughs) then like, it seems like more energy to go into that Facebook group and to risk being roasted by like a bunch of people than to just like have a longer conversation and to figure out, even if the person said they're comfortable with you saying it, you know there are enough people who are uncomfortable and don't want to say it. Right. And so, or even asking for their point of view, because what I'm finding is that there are too many people trying to justify that, although they know quote unquote problematic people, they are not the problematic person. Find out why the people you know still carry this behavior. That's more interesting to me. Do you think this is white guilt? Oh, maybe. (laughs) I don't know. Which also to me is a useless emotion, but it's funny how white guilt manifests itself. Mm. I was in a similar situation to being in this Facebook thread where um, I think it was in January. I was having dinner with a friend of like my one white friend, literally, and his white friends. And so all of them were white. It was like six of them and me. And they're all also just like really rich and like, yeah, just really rich white people just for context and so one of them starts saying I was because I was asking them like oh how was everyone's Christmas break etc one of them starts saying that being around their family was intolerable um and then other people chimed in and they're like yeah my family's so racist my family's a Trump supporter Mm. and 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 but it's frustrating for me as a black person to be sitting at a table with rich privileged white people who are telling me that they're so disgusted that their family members are racist, that they're Trump supporters, that they're anti-black. And I'm like, so did you break your granny's ankles? Like when your grand, because to me, that's allyship. It can't just end there. (laughs) If you are at Thanksgiving and your granny says that your black boyfriend is a banana eating coon, 
you must break her ankles. Like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> and if you don't, are you really an ally? Like, if you're not ready to throw hands, are you really about change in any direction? Like, to me, <laughs> there is no radical change without a willingness to throw hands. So, white people, are you are you really about that life? Like, because being an ally for any, like, whether you're an ally for black people or whether you're an ally for queer people, it is uncomfortable. Like, you need to be ready to call people on their shit and you need to be ready to throw hands otherwise what is the point of your what is the point of your allyship and to clarify or to like extend on that on that thought what is the point meaning that like you have to imagine when like social wokeness became really really popular the the way that like non-black people that i didn't know very well would try to connect with me or would try to i guess um i don't know make me feel more comfortable by making me feel like they're not racist they would do things like show me different (laughs) forms of like trauma like oh did you see that video of that cop shooting that black kid in america so sad did you see um how you know they're not letting um black people and other ethnic minorities into clubs in sydney isn't that sad i already know and it feels what is the point of that yeah Yeah, it feels like a bit of of like you know salt in the wound to just have it like reminded to me and then what? Mm. Because you're not <laughs> doing anything about, like, are you going to go up? Like, what are you? That's the thing is, like, I don't want to hear about white guilt if it's not followed up by action. <laughs> like, don't. So, white people, if you're not throwing hands, if you're not breaking ankles, I don't want to know. Don't send me a video of a black person getting shot by the cops <laughs> to be like, isn't that disgusting? <laughs> Okay, bitch, then roll up into the, the NYPD's yeah. office right now. <laughs> like, what are you doing with your whiteness? Especially rich white people, you have nothing to lose. <laughs> Throw hands or, or don't send me videos. And I did notice there was some point in our group where people would post videos of, like, black trauma. Mm. Do you think that, like, black trauma has just become porn? Oh, babes. Like, do people just... What's that movie? The one about slavery? Because I don't watch slave movies No, anymore. I do. I can't Because I it. respect myself. Is that Django? <laughs> the, uh, oh, 12 Years a Slave. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I couldn't do it. I can't watch I slave could not movies. Do it. I'm not doing it. <laughs> Let me Especially not have because, people in like, that cinema like, making jokes. Sad. When they don't realize there's black people in the cinema. I don't want to do it. <laughs> you'll really walk into the cinema and it's just 50 white people watching roots and i'm like why (laughs) why like i don't i'm really interested in white people's relationship with black pain because i do think it's been pornified i think it's been romanticized to the point where it's even normalized i feel like a lot of people don't even bat an eyelid when they see black people in pain because like blackness is synonymous with pain i saw a really interesting thread on instagram from this facebook from this instagram page that i follow called the mirror or something like that and they were talking about how interesting it is to see how the coronavirus pandemic is being portrayed in the media in italy versus how like black suffering is portrayed in the media like there are no journalists going over to italy to photograph 
white people dying but every day it's a white european photographer to go photograph a black person dying in ethiopia and for what like what is the relationship that the west has with black pain we need to study we need to know and see do with that what you will but i just want i mean the way i look at it we don't speak so candidly about issues of race if not to educate you so you don't make a fool of yourself when it comes time to applying these skills and these Mm. and these um these different perspectives when the time comes like we're not just talking about it to roast you i've said it in many episodes i don't have the privilege of knowing heaps of black people i know my family and maybe like five other people who aren't related to me in any way the rest are family extended family family friends or whatever so i totally understand that there is you know a lack of understanding for this individual experience because i also had to learn it i too had to understand how the african experience differs from the african australian and the african american and the caribbean like all these things we all learn but i had incentive to learn because it was expected that i would carry information that i didn't have if, 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 if you're not going to be a crusader or a warrior or even the person who's a little ripple in the ocean is going to make minor change and call out their stuff's co-worker, then please, mm. like, keep the energy. Like, save it for something else. Keep the energy, Where it can literally. be used more, pro- like, proactively. Because it really is, like, I don't even want to be all emotional up in this bitch, but it really is disheartening to, like, have to be so, not have to, but to be so honest and so candid and for, like, none of that to go through yeah like let us just not talk about race anymore and like close that door and like prohibit that conversation in this like around us if it's going to be like this embarrassing all the time (laughs) you know well i do yeah i do think a lot of people get offended like i know anytime there's an angry white woman in my dms it's because i said something about race Mm. and i'm just like well if you stepped out of your privilege am i wrong so it's interesting. I mean, for you, what do you think it means to be a good white ally? Like, what can white people do? What should they be doing if they want to call themselves allies? And do you think every white person should be an ally? Nah, I feel like allyship is a bit of a trap because a lot of us aren't willing mm. to do the work. I know for a, I'm not yeah. willing to do the work for a lot of things. I've got my own shit going on. I can't be out here yeah. like crusading for everyone. I think the difference is, from my experience, a lot of white people want to step into the role before acknowledging what the role re- re- requires. Fact. And so, like, yeah. I don't, I don't require any of my white friends to be allies for me. I don't need you to step in, in front, beside, next to. Nah, it's cool. Cause I got it. Mm. I get it. There's other shit going on. You've all got your individual experiences, whatever. And so, when you do step into that role, then I have expectations of what you want to do. Or what you have, you know what I mean? So like, if you, if you really, if you really don't have the range or the confidence or like the, the bandwidth to, to call out someone for saying the the basic common N word, then like maybe this conversation isn't for you, but from, if Mm. you want to step into being an ally, I just require a little bit of action and like a little bit less reliance on me to spoon feed you best case scenario, because I mean, like I said before, if I knew the best way to handle all matters of race, I would have just done it and taught everybody myself. But all I yeah. know is that I don't have a choice. 
the expectation is that when conversations of race happen, I'm meant to step in and have the answers. So be lucky that you don't have that expectation and do what learning you can unprovoked, you know? It's like Mm. the difference between someone who has the space and energy to like be problematic and quiet and the person who gets called out by millions of people online. Like one of us has space and time and the other doesn't. So be grateful that you're not being rushed to, um, yeah, rushed to understanding. And then you actually use that time. And also just be mindful of when you're using someone else's trauma to connect. <laughs> like, ooh, wait, speak on that. Because I just elaborate. feel like, you know, we, we're also like put off by the idea of having small talk, right? We all want to be deep and, and we all want to have layers and range and stuff. Yeah. But it requires a certain level of Me. understanding and like connection to have that range. You don't just pull up to someone mm. and, and, and force it. And so what I, what I find is that people go for face value and they try and make it deep so like if two women are talking to each other and they want to be deep now we talk about oppression through womanhood or (laughs) feminism you know and then if you're like oh can't connect on womanhood we start talking about failures in dating for both heterosexual or we start talking Mm. about you know like you know racial crises if we're both black and born in australia and it just becomes like why don't we bond of what we know best which is trauma and oppression and that's like fun and easy but if it's happening every time you're talking to someone, then you need a new rule book. Yeah, fully. <laughs> and also, I think it's really presumptuous that, you know, because what happens in those situations is that someone's looking at you and trying to objectively view what they foresee your trauma to be. So, like, someone coming up to me and saying, oh, let's talk about how hard it is to be a woman is viewing my womanhood as inherently traumatic, as which is, yeah. like, not hard. You know, or viewing my blackness yeah. as inherently traumatic or like being a child of an immigrant as inherently traumatic. I don't need it. Mm. I don't want the narrative. I'll, I'll pass. <laughs> That's so interesting. You know. Similarly to you, I do think being an ally is a scam just because just like any label, like whether you want to call yourself an activist or a feminist or anything that will end up being dogmatic. If you're not ready to follow up with action and if you're not ready to really dissect critically what that entails then it's really just a it's just a trap and it's better for you to just not um for me what i think that every white person who wants to call themselves an ally has to do is you have to carry the burden of your white ancestors like the people who came before you who fucked shit up you have to carry that burden with you throughout your life. And what that looks like is when you are white and you're entering into black spaces, that means being aware of how your of how your whiteness intersects and affects this black space. How you as a white person represent trauma for a lot of black people. Maybe you do, but maybe you don't. But you just have to walk around carrying that awareness with you in the same way that every, we as black people have to carry the effects of what your white ancestors did. So do you. Do you know what I mean? So I think really all that is is just hyper awareness. And I don't think that anyone can separate themselves from their ancestral past because, yeah. Yeah, so to me, that's what being an ally is. Mm-hmm. And I can appreciate you don't know what you don't know. Like, perhaps, like, mm. Twitter has failed everyone and assumed that allyship is just calling out people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or no. Or allyship is being angry on behalf of. 
Yeah, no, no, no. If no. anything, oh, and I think um, I've been having uh, like I've been trying to think about what the best way to, I don't know, to handle confrontation is not even confrontation, but uh, yeah, perhaps like yeah, confrontation because I feel like people want to navigate confrontation with emotions first and so if you're able to emotionally Mm. connect with someone then perhaps they'll listen to you as a whole human but i find like being a confrontational ass bitch that logic usually like logic and rationale usually prevails sooner than emotion does so to circle back to the start of this conversation to wrap it up if in a situation you're trying to convince somebody not to use the n-word then i feel like an emotional emotional plea from like a white person to a white person isn't necessarily what's going to like what's going to convince someone it's a logical rational conversation it's asking them to rationally justify why they have the right it's asking them to rationally justify Mm. why they can't see the macro and the micro of the circumstance that in itself will sooner bring someone i personally find in my experience will sooner bring someone to a point of understanding than being like it's bad and like i listened to a podcast of these two black girls who also said it's bad (laughs) (laughs) in that exact voice yeah but alas do you know what's also like really difficult around this time of miss roni is that i can't find any news that's not about miss roni so i'm like what am i missing out on what else is happening in the world that i'm just not seeing no literally even my youtube feed Mm. so usually my youtube feed is just animal videos (laughs) and (laughs) yeah it'll be like an elephant listening to classical music or like yeah like a puppy fighting with a giraffe like that's usually my instagram feed Mm. i mean not my my youtube feed and now it's like fox news cnbc trump like what is i don't give a no give me my elephants and 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 giraffes and hippos i just want some range i want to be able to say oh look this you know i don't know like this is happening in climate change you're like this fashion brand is like going into voluntary liquidation yeah there's none of that do you do you believe in some of the conspiracy theories going around that miss roney is a distraction from something bigger that the government is doing i mean i think i think the government is always doing some shady shit that we don't know about yeah because also how can all the ceos not all of them but how can the top ceos all step down at the same time Mm. All just before they announced Miss Roni, mm-hmm. like <laughs> all just to protect their pockets. Also, like of course, there's always some shady shit going on. When has the government not been shady? That's exactly so, do you it. think there's something specific that's happening? I mean, I would like to say no, but uh, like this all just feels. I mean, look, we've never been in a situation like this before, so mm. it, it naturally it feels like. Naturally, it feels right to leave with skepticism. You know, like they're hiding right. something from us. I think the media attention given to Roni is warranted if it was resulting in actual change. So while yeah, we're here minding our that. business, self-isolating, and I'm on Twitter and I see hoes at the beach, you know, cuddled up with a bunch of strangers. I'm like, what's happening oh, yeah. here? Were we so, are we self-isolating or not? So, I'm, I mean, yeah, like we said in the last episode, I'm just... at to this day still very confused about um 
how serious it is. And thank goodness for some of like the Italian people that follow me on Instagram who were like giving me play by plays on what their day to day experience is. So I'm like, this is mm. fucked. <laughs> like so, so, so fucked. And because I just feel like everybody feels invincible when it comes to these situations. Like nobody wants to be the person who's like, oh, I'm going to die from Corona. <laughs> no, it's yeah. not happening. Yeah, yeah. So we all feel invincible and we're kind of forgetting that like, nah, bitch. These things don't discriminate. Yeah. But I also think I it's, if it's my time, it's my time. So yeah. what can I do? What it, it is what it is. I do think something that's interesting about Miss Roni is the way that she moves. Mm. This is the first time that rich people are being, are suffering in like this existential way. Yeah. It almost feels like Miss Roni is like a sentient being who has an agenda. <laughs> who's like, bitch, I'm here to dismantle capitalism <laughs> and I'm coming for your necks. Like, it's really interesting it the way that it moves. Yeah, I don't know. But also here in New York, people aren't really, or in the area that I live in, people are still walking around Mm -hmm. outside. Like, I mean, I think where we are now, I think where Italy is now, I think we will be within the next two weeks. For real. Or like three weeks. Yeah. And even then, we still won't learn. Yeah, for real. So, (laughs) I mean, I do believe it'll come to a point where, you know, it'll be quite clear that this whole Roni thing isn't going to go away as quickly as it did, you know, for China, because China is moving like a well-oiled machine. They've been moving. Yeah. They've been moving deliberate They're and correct. they testing people. Yeah. You know, like doing what need be done, taking um, what some might think to be really like overdramatic efforts. But look, they now reached the point where it's contained. I don't think mm. that, you know, in places like Australia or the UK or America where so quick to give up our creature comfort we're going to push it for as long as possible and yeah that's it you know like what nobody like i don't know anyone who hasn't left their house everyone's like oh you know like i still i'm still going out like i just went i only went to the cafe but i just did takeaway you know shit like that and i totally get it because who like it's unfair that we have to do this shit but it's also unfair that us leaving the house means somebody else has to die yeah I also I read an article today on Time magazine mm. about a woman who paid thirty four thousand dollars for her corona treatment in the US. Wow. So, you know, that's who has a casual thirty four thousand dollars <laughs> to give to Auntie Roni. <laughs> for for Corona. Yeah. <laughs> so that will also be the death of us. Absolutely. You know? And you know what's also very interesting is I remember playing Reflex with a few people. Um, at the event that I had in December and a question that Mm. had come up that would always cause a bit of contention is would you willingly sacrifice your life for somebody else's and I purposely uh, kept the question vague because everybody kind of um, defaults to like of course I would sacrifice my life for my mom's which is like not what I'm asking. <laughs> yeah. Like if you yeah. didn't know, if it was like a nondescript person, would you do it? And there was always people who would stress like, of course, like nobody's life is worth more than somebody else's. Like we all have a responsibility. I'm not seeing mm. that same energy around Miss Roni. Look Rony, at how we're living. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and even pre, pre Miss Roni, I'm like, are you sure you moved that way? Yeah. <laughs> like, literally. It doesn't add up to me. I, yeah. I even think that a lot of the empathy for elderly people is performative Mm -hmm. like 
Since when has anyone cared about, cared about old people? Anyone, yeah, old people especially. <laughs> I feel like most people are just like, let them die. The They're great. The chopping block for years, <laughs> literally. And now you whores suddenly care about old people. Mm. Nah, I'm not buying it. <laughs> I think it's again self interest and self preservation must as performative empathy. <laughs> But I'm not. I'm not buying it. Yeah. <laughs> But again, like in this time, I'm not. I'm also not trying to argue with people because, you know, even self isolation in itself is a privilege. And so, if you can't do it, mm. whatever, I get it. Home is not the safest place for a lot of people. I also get it. Home's gonna go to work. I get it. Like all these things, I understand. But yeah. it's just really interesting how you know we've been having these conversations about what to do in an apocalypse, and you mm. know, like how to navigate yeah. it, and it's just very interesting. I mean, I I'm a lawful neutral person, so like I, if it works in my benefit, I'm following the rules. If they say mm, stay at home yeah. or at least limit the time you go outside for your own benefit, like what do I have to lose? I'm staying at home, bitch. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, if not, and the thing I the thing that's gonna get me is if I find out that one of us Bobo and Flex listeners who's under the age of thirty has died because of the Roni because you went outside, I'm gonna be upset. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be upset. <laughs> yeah, none of you hoes are allowed to die. Nope. We have to dismantle capsulism first. Mm-mm. We can't do that while sick. Especially okay. if you've got, you know, um, an autoimmune disease or anything that's gonna make you um, more susceptible to the roni. Just take the precautions. Catch up on some yeah. old episodes. But something that I do think about is like how a lot of the precautions. That we're meant to take really don't take into account mental health, mm. and I feel like our generation particularly is we're physically at our peak, some of us, and mentally at our lowest, like constantly at breaking point. And I do think society in general prioritizes physical health over mental health. Mm. So I feel like people who like suffer with depression or like like any mental health problem are in shambles right now because yeah. it's like imagine having to stay like being cooped up inside an apartment when you're already like on the verge of suicide i think in that case just go to a park because are you gonna die from suicide or from the roni <laughs> like <laughs> and you have the option i mean I, i've been reading a lot of um infographics about the difference between you know, quarantining yourself versus social distancing. And, you know, yeah, if you quarantine yeah. yourself if you are feeling unwell or if you've come into contact with somebody who's been overseas or who had the Roni or whatever. But for the rest of us who are just taking healthy precautions, and I'm not, I don't know if this is like the rest of the world, but in Australia, the directive has been to limit how close you are to other people, to limit how frequently yeah, same, you leave yeah. the house, to wash your hands often. Recently, the, um, the prime minister just announced that, you know, there needs to be one person per every four square meters. So in a venue or a space or a restaurant that is a hundred square meters, only 25 people can be in there at one time, you know, and they're still asking for like people to to stand between a meter and a meter and a half away from each other. So you can leave the house, you can go for a walk, you can, you know, get your groceries. Um, And I'm really appreciative of this lenience, but I feel like people don't rise to the occasion unless there's a tremendous amount of pressure. And because people Mm. aren't applying pressure, because applying too much pressure would start to mean that it's going to impact, you know, 
our economy adversely or it's going to impact you know yeah. the things that we have in place to keep our shit moving so the our prime minister is not going to say stringently don't leave the house because he knows that in order to keep shit moving people need to go leave the house people need to go stock the shelves yeah. at the grocery store so we yeah. can go buy the food at the grocery stores whatever but i feel like the average person isn't as grateful for the leniency that we're receiving and so they're pushing mm. it a little bit further it's becoming a bit of a holiday yeah. for them they're catching up on what they wanted to do they're going shopping or whatever yeah yeah and then it's going to be a very rude awakening where all that leniency skewed too far the wrong way and now we're stuck inside yeah now it's a national lockdown Mm -hmm. like a global lockdown which i don't know if that'll happen but it very well could Mm -hmm. because this roni just keeps mutating yeah she's changing she's growing she's evolving She's glowing up. Like, <laughs> this is her glow up Literally. Period. She said, it's cuffing season, bitch. You won't find me Literally. <laughs> is Corona the new Lizzo? Like, is that Shut what's happening? <laughs> but for real, Rodney said, I'm going to be alone. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. I've got all my friends here. You know what to do. But yeah, there we have it, guys. Thank you for tuning in to yet another episode. Follow us on all the platforms. We are on Instagram, Twitter, youtube facebook as bobo and flex join our facebook group it's amazing it's incredible we have the best people in the world and we'll catch you in the next episode bye bye planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.